0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Today I do want to do just a little bit of review and also remember that you can catch up on these series through a uh, podcast or through, I'm trying to find my Bible program, Um there are free CDs out there. We have podcasts. We have YouTube videos of the services, the teaching portion of the service. So no excuse for not catching up on the series. All right. So right now, what we're talking about is the discipline of stillness, learning how to get quiet in our hearts. Our overarching topic, actually, is because I tend to do a series for like 19 years, Uh, our overarching topic is stewarding over those transformational moments in our lives. In other words, the things, when God speaks to us, when God breathes something into our hearts, when the Holy Spirit moves on us, um, there is transformation of who we are available in those moments. But it's up to us, number one, to make ourselves available for those moments and to learn how to hear what God is saying to us. Number two, to live our life in such a way that we steward over what God is saying. In other words, we don't just hear something today, oh, that was cool, and forget about it tomorrow. We are not what the Bible calls forgetful hearers. We want to be doers of the word. We want to hold the word, treasure it up in our hearts like Mary did. Uh, so that the Holy Spirit can incubate that word and bring forth everything that he wants to bring forth out of it. So that's kind of our overarching topic. We've been talking about this area of stillness because if we're going to learn, if we're going to regularly, uh, consistently hear, first of all, what the Spirit of God is saying to us, We've got to learn how to get quiet cuz God's not going to shout over. He just doesn't shout over everything else that we choose to have going on in our heads and our lives. It is our responsibility in this is to come to the Lord with an open heart and and be able to quiet our thoughts and our emotions enough to be able to discern his voice. And I want to say this to you. I felt like I should say this to you again this morning. Every believer has the capacity and the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're designed that way. God made us for relationship. And and we all know, I mean this is this is why we work the way we do in relationship communication is the central key to good relationship, right? And and it's no different. God created us in his image. We're like him. And and so we are made for real relationship with him and to hear him. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He didn't say they might. He didn't say they will once in a while. He didn't say this is a really unusual thing for just a few special people. He didn't say that. And we live in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit actually lives on the inside of us. We have we have the Holy Spirit. Everybody in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. They didn't have the ability, the the privilege of being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. So, um in order for us to really partake of that, one of the real key qualities is learning how to get quiet before the Lord. So we've been, we've been picking this apart and uh, taking a little bit at a time. We've been talking about these terms. We started with the term, be still. The reason we're hitting these four terms is because they're just four of the terms in the scripture that are used a lot to, to talk. Each one brings out a little different aspect of this idea of us being quiet. So those terms are be still, Quiet or quiet yourself, which is what we're looking at right now. Rest, which I'm hoping we get into at least a little bit today. And wait, waiting upon the Lord. All right. Every one of those uh, terms gives us a little different aspect of this whole um, discussion, this whole thing that we're talking about today. So we've been talking about quieting ourselves, and We've been using this as our foundation verse. There are lots of verses that talk about this. But we're going to read it again, Psalm chapter 131, verses 1 and 2. We talked about this verse a lot last week. We laid a lot of foundations, so I really encourage you to get that teaching. But it says, and this is the New Living Translation, it says, Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. Pride will really interfere. Pride becomes, um, you know, we really value self-reliance in America, and it's not... It's not inherently a bad thing. There's a lot of good things about self-reliance, but extreme self-reliance where we're relying on ourselves instead of God, that's a problem, and that's pride, that's that's haughty. But it says here, Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, and that's such an important term in this verse, instead... Is making a choice right here. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So back up just a little bit. He says, I don't concern myself. Uh, the Amplified Bible and I know the King James Bible, another number of them translate that as, I don't exercise myself. You know, we'll say sometimes if somebody gets really wrought up about something, we'll say they got all exercised about it. That's, a, that's kind of an old English term. And, and the idea in that is, it, from this Hebrew word, is it's the idea of movement. And it's the idea, what he's saying is, I don't get moved by, I will not be moved by things that come into my life that are just too big. I don't understand them, that I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why this person did that. I don't understand why life works like this. You know, whatever it might be, something comes into this life and he makes a decision right here. The psalmist says, I will not get exercised about this. I will not concern myself. I will not get worried. I will not be moved. I'm not gonna take a step based on what I can't understand, what I can't get, what is pressing on me. I'm not going to do that instead. And I just, man, I just can't get away from that word instead. He says, instead, I'm making a choice. I have quieted myself. I didn't just stand there and say, oh Lord, I'm real worried. Please fix it. Please uh, take my worry away. Please take my anger away. Please take my fear away. Please take my agitation away. Please take my bitterness away. He didn't just say that. He said, I have quieted myself before the Lord. I have calmed myself. I have reined in my emotions because he's talking about the soul here, right? He he says, my soul within me is like a weaned child. And we've said this a couple weeks in a row the picture there from the Hebrew language is of uh, a child that has come to a level of maturity where they don't just scream every time they have a need. They don't just squall. They don't just holler. He's saying instead, I have quieted myself. This is the first step that he's taken. I've quieted myself. And we said out of that last week, he says, my soul within me, I have quieted myself, my soul within me. And And so the idea is, again, your soul is your mind, your emotion, and your will. Why do we say that? Because the Greek word translated soul is the word suke. It's where we get the word psychology. The the Bible teaches that we are a three-part being, like God is a three-part being, three-person being. We are a three-part being, spirit, soul, body. Okay? The soul is the mind, the emotions, and the will. How we think, how we feel, how we choose, all right? And that part of us can be trained and is supposed to be being trained. Your whole Christian life and my whole Christian life, from the moment we get born again and the Spirit of God comes to live in us, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we just receive everything that Jesus has for us, but we come into that relationship with him. From that moment forward the inward part of our life is supposed to be about renewing the mind, renewing the soul, tearing down the old bad habits of the way that we think, the way that we choose, the way that we feel, and building up the new. That's what, that's what the renewing of the mind means. Our whole life is supposed to be about that. Now it's our inward life. Out of the changes in that inward life flow our outward life. Changes in our own behavior and attitudes, but also our ministry, who we, you know, how we approach people, what we give over to people, what God has done in you, you can you can transmit to somebody else. Okay, so that's that's the entire Christian life is the retraining of the soul. And yet there are a lot of Christians who never give themselves to the retraining of the soul. And part of that is because, you know, Boyd was talking earlier about how what Cornelius did and Peter did in that moment was they were having to reject. They were having to reject the whole way things had always been, even in Israel and in Judaism. It was, you had to become a part of Israel. Everybody was welcome all the way back, but you had to come in, be circumcised, bring your family in, start worshiping the God of of Israel. And I mean, that's a picture of the fact that to come into the family of God, you've got to give your life to Jesus. Your heart needs to be circumcised. You've got to become a Christian. There's no question about that. But they were, they were standing there, a Jew and a Roman We're not even supposed to be. It was illegal for Peter to come into the house of a Gentile. And yet they could see what God was doing there, so they had to reject, as Boyd made very clear, the whole standard, the whole the way things had always been, and what society what each of their societies really would be telling them. It's the same thing with this idea of the the renewing of the mind and the transformation in our souls. We have to reject a lot of what our society and the world says. This is just how it is. And one of the issues, just, just one, is our society wants to tell us that what we feel is reality. If you feel it, that's who you are. And and just live from that. Just just go out, just give yourself to if that's how you feel, that's your truth. There is no your truth. There is his truth. And then there's everything else. Everything else. Okay? And so this idea in our society that if I feel it, it's my reality. No, it's not. Your feelings do not define who you are. What God has said about you defines who you are. We can sit here and say, yep, I see that in my Bible. That's the truth. But getting that to the place where it's really in us and how we live from it, where we will Take command of our soul, and we will say, "You know what?" I had somebody just tell me yesterday, "I'm so fearful, and I don't know why I'm so fearful." You know, and and well, it's because there are circumstances coming into your life that you're uncertain of. I mean, that's that's true. They're there, and in that place, you're allowing thoughts to come in from those circumstances. And this person knew this. I mean, I didn't have to tell them that, but they needed to hear it again. From that place, you're you're drawing the thoughts. You're letting those thoughts and those movies start to run in your head about what if, what's going to happen, how's this going to work out? We all do it, but we need to train our soul. And a part of calming ourselves, quieting ourselves before the Lord is learning to take our thoughts captive, arrest them, put the handcuffs on them, stuff them in the squad car and replace them with the thoughts that Jesus has, the word of God. What the word says about you is true eternally. What you're feeling right now is not, if it doesn't line up with the word, okay? What you're thinking right now is not, if it doesn't line up with with the word. And we all want to get, we want to train those souls. And this is, the Holy Spirit is our trainer in this. This is what he does. If we're listening to him, this is what he does he takes the word, he reshapes our soul. So we've got to be willing to hear what he's saying and change. Say, yes, Lord, help me. And he will bring about the transformation, but we've got to yield to it. Okay. So the psalmist says right here, here comes this, whatever it is, into my life, I'm not going to be haughty. I'm not going to be proud. I'm not going to think I can just handle it on my own. I'm not going there. My heart is not in that place. Okay. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. This is something, this just needs to become a habit. It needs to become the discipline of stillness in our life. And I was thinking this this morning as I was praying about this, that I'm not saying we need to be absolutely quiet on the inside all the time. We're not talking about just shut down down the brain, shut down the emotion. I'm not saying that. But we do need to build quiet times into our lives on a regular basis. And those quiet times with the Lord will turn into the ability to when something hits you, you're able to step back and stand as we're going to see in a moment in quietness and in confidence in that situation. Okay? So you, you just can't afford to just wait and hope that your uh, emotions and your thinking comes into line. You've, you've got you've to make the decision, I'm going to meditate in the word. I'm going to come to you, Lord. When I find my mind or my emotions getting out of line, I'm going to take them captive. I'm going to take authority over them. I'm going to go to the Lord with it and say, Lord, I know. You know, And here's how you can tell, just a practical way you can tell. If what you're feeling, the emotions you're having, if you can't find those emotions in God, then they are not from God. God doesn't respond to things in fear. It's not from him. He doesn't respond to things in discouragement and disappointment. So that's not from him. That's what we're feeling. And again, don't ever let that, don't get condemned. You're not being condemned. Just let the Holy Spirit bring you out of that. Okay? God doesn't have those qualities. He doesn't have unrighteous anger in his heart. So it really shouldn't be in our heart. We really shouldn't allow things into our life that we don't see In Jesus, okay. And again, this is a process. This is steps. This is you know, I I get it. But here, let's just go through this real quick. Last week we gave these, and you can go get the go get the teaching. But we said we need to put a watch over our mouth, right? We got to ask the Holy Spirit. Tell me when my words are getting out of line. Tell me when I'm because when I start speaking fear or anger or shame or doubt or whatever it is. Those words are seeds. They are carrying a a spiritual quality out of my heart, and it's going right back into my ears. I'm just starting this cycle, and I will just get more and more ingrained in it. Whereas when I start to speak what God has said about the situation, what God has said I'm doing the. I'm bringing forth the spiritual life that is in God's word. I'm releasing it through my mouth. I'm hearing it with my ears. It's going into my heart. It's coming up out of my mouth and I start that cycle. Does that make sense to you? So you you can, you want to build into your life to where you're speaking what God has already said, praying what God has already said. All right. We said we need to reject fear at all times and in all forms. All right. We need to refuse strife gossip, taking up somebody else's offense. Those are not things we want to let into our heart. And we want to actively recall and recount what God has said and what God has done. Start going through the testimony. Start going through what the Lord has done in your life, in somebody else's life. Start going through what he has done in the Scriptures. Start going through what Jesus did and change what you're thinking about. Change what you're saying. Change. And your emotions will follow that. They're not supposed to lead, they will follow. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. Um, so let's look at another verse here today Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Again, I took this from the New Living Translation. This is so powerful. This one and the next one that we probably won't get to today. So powerful. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only, notice that word only, it means this is the way it works and it doesn't work some other way, okay? Only in returning to me, notice that word returning, only in returning to me and resting, okay? Important word, resting, in me will you be saved, Saved is an important word. It doesn't just mean going to heaven. And then, and then it says, in quietness and in confidence is your strength. In quiet, In, inside this place of quietness and confidence is your strength. And then the prophet goes on and says, but you would have none of it. The Lord's coming to Israel. We're going to see this two times where the Lord comes to Israel with this solution. And how they can walk with him, change what's going on, and at the end of the statement is, but you would have none of it. Okay, we we have a bad habit, and we're going to see this even stronger from passage in Jeremiah. We do have a bad habit in general, okay, of sometimes hearing, hearing the word, seeing the word, seeing God's path God's way in something and saying I don't want to do it that way or I don't know if that'll work I don't know if that'll really really will will a soft answer really turn away wrath really I'd rather fight with the person which won't turn away wrath by the way you know I mean we see a lot there's a lot of things in the word they challenge us And we always have to remember, God's not doing now. God's not speaking anything to you as a challenge to your ability to get it done on your own. It's there's grace that comes behind His instructions. Our part, our responsibility, is to receive them and to begin to walk in them and trust God and trust His grace. Remember, grace isn't just unmerited favor; it's also the ability of God to bring about what He has said. It's inherent in the word grace. So. So he says here, only in returning to me. The word returning speaks of repentance. He says here, he shows us that repentance is a vital prerequisite to rest, to peace. Okay. Only in returning to me, only in repentance. Now, a lot of us only think of repentance in terms of like overt, sin. You know, I lied to somebody. I cheated somebody. I cussed somebody out. I, you know, did something and now I need to repent. Well, yeah, but repentance simply means it. The word literally means to turn around, to turn from facing this way and go this way. So it means turning away from what I'm believing, what I'm accepting, my habitual way of living, you know, whatever it might be, I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to grab hold of God's way, God's character, God's word, what God says, okay? That's literally what repentance is. So anytime we have uh, a way of thinking or anytime, you know, the scripture says that whatsoever is not of faith, okay? So it means You know, any place where I'm striking out on my own and not trusting God in an area of my life, it says that's sin, okay? So we always need to repent when we find doubt or unbelief or whatever in our heart. And again, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Condemnation means uh, a message that comes to you that says you are just the worst, you're just unworthy, you're just worthless. You are, you can't do this. That's that's what it comes with shame. That's condemnation. The scripture tells us there's no condemnation coming from God or Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. All right, if you're hearing that, it's not from Him. There is conviction. The Holy Spirit will come and say, hey. You're going the wrong way. I need you to turn and go this way. You're going away from me. You're you're moving into self-reliance in an overt way. You're you're trusting in something else or somebody else. I need you to turn around and go this way. Okay? That's conviction. The Holy that's a good thing. And repentance is a gift. We get to turn around. We don't have to reap the consequences of walking off the cliff. We can get we get to turn around. And we have a coach that's saying, hey, turn around, turn around, turn around. You're going to get hurt. Turn around. And our part is to do that, to repent, to return to him. Okay, and he says that in returning to him and resting. Okay, here's what this word resting means. It's that we're going to hear this over and over. It means to quiet the emotions and still the mouth. There's an awful lot of scripture about our mouth and our tongue, what we say and, and, and what we speak. Because again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak when it's under pressure. You can say all kinds of nice things in church, but, but what about out there? Stuff comes out of your heart. And, and God will call you on that because it shows. And again, when something comes out of our hearts, that isn't in line with God's word, the spirit, dang it, I'm going to have to tell this story. I'd rather keep this a secret. Uh, the spirit will get on you about it. I'll tell a version of the story. <laughs> um, so recently we were driving into town and we were, you know, we were coming uh, east on Tomichi and turn on to Maine. And there was a parking place right in front of the firebrand. We were going to the firebrand. And you know how hard it is in our town, how thick the traffic is this time of year. And parking space, probably not another one for 40 yards, you know. So so anyway, we came around this car and there was one car ahead of us at the light. And we saw this spot open up. It's like, oh, got to get that spot, you know. And we come around the corner and this guy pulls in there ahead of me, guy or girl, whatever, pulls in ahead of me pulls in ahead of us. And I said, you jerk. Only I didn't say that. I called him a different name. And I was, I was kidding. I really was. And God knew it from my heart. I was 90% kidding. Oh, you know, but I called him this name and I really felt convicted right away. It was like, I was kidding. But the Lord is just saying, don't do that. You, you know, you can't be doing that. You can't be saying this stuff. And, and, and I was like, okay. So I dropped Karen off and she went inside and, you know, ordered. And I went around the block, came back around and there was a spot right in front of the firebrand that had opened. Not that same spot, but it had opened. And I said, was that because I was good? Was that because I repented? <laughs> so you gave me the spot and it was there and I parked there. But anyway, it was just one of those things. It wasn't even a big deal. I mean, because I was kidding and God knew it, but it's like, don't do that, you know? So it was just this, it was, it was really good. And God will do that with the words that come out of our mouths. And, <laughs> you know, there's old stuff in there. There's old habits. There's old, you know, it's just, at least there is in me. So anyway, when we get, when we have that instruction in repentance, and resting, quiet the soul, quiet the emotions, and quiet the mouth, still the mouth. Stop talking about it. Get with God. Let him change what's in your heart. Let him remind you of who he is. Let him remind you of his faithfulness. Let him remind you of of what he has promised so that that starts coming out and you start speaking his life. Lord, thank you for giving that person that parking space. What a blessing. Thank you for blessing them today. I hope they appreciate that they got my space, <laughs> you know? So let that stuff come out of your mouth, okay? So um, in in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, it says, Isaiah 26, three, this is the Amplified. It says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. So the question here is, how do I I quiet myself? How do I quiet my emotions? All right. The Lord says, Isaiah 26, 3, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, get this, whose mind, both its inclination and its character is stayed on you. Okay, because he commits himself to you. He leans on you. He hopes confidently in you. So let's back up into that a little bit. I, he will keep you. This is a promise. He will keep us, this person, in constant peace. Okay? Perfect and constant peace. Whose mind, both its inclination and its character. So that means inclination. Where are we inclined? Are you inclined to say something you shouldn't say about somebody who gets the parking space ahead of you. you know, Is that your inclination? Is that your bent in life? Has that been your habit? So our mind, the, the habits of our mind, the way that we have lived and its character, its nature on the inside. And honestly, that's a lot of times where we find those conflicts is because the inclination is to do this, but the character is there that says, don't do that. You know, don't do that. That's not who you are. That's not who I am. It's not who God is. You know, that's not who you are. So both it's both the inclination and the character of our mind is stayed on you. Okay, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It means I am a I am becoming aware of the inclination of my mind, my words, my emotions. I tend, Lord, I tend to get fearful when this happens. I tend to get angry when this happens. I tend to move into some doubt when this happens over here, okay? That's all stuff we can take to the Lord. This is the inclination of my mind right now. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be, but it is right now. So I'm gonna present that to you because Lord, I wanna live in peace. I wanna live in your peace, not just peaceful relationships. I want peace so that when I run into something, I can get quiet and I can hear what God wants to pray or say or do or touch in that situation. Okay, does this make sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, he'll keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on you. And so, so often, if you're finding a bunch of fear in your life, think about it. What have you been letting run through your mind? Who have you been talking to that's been helping you with your agitation and your fear? Who's been talking to you that's been telling you, oh, God's probably just trying to teach you something from this horrible situation and bringing you into this instead of, no, God's on your side in this situation. And yes, He'll teach you and train you in the midst of it, but He didn't create it, it's not in His nature. So, you know, who have you been having discussions with? Who have you been talking with? What have you let run and run and run through your mind? What movies are going on in that head? Because that's where it's coming from. Whereas if we can get them back, stayed fixed on God, we'll have peace. It's a promise. It works, okay? And it's because this person whose mind is stayed on God commits himself to the Lord, leans on him. Hopes confidently in you okay and and so taking captive thoughts again, taking you know dealing with our mouths, all that stuff, you know we we look at that, we go, man, that sounds like work, yeah, that's why it's called a battle, that's why there's the battlefield of the mind that's why yeah the the Christian life isn't just, oh, I got born again, and now everything's going to be rosy until forever it is. Now I'm plugging into you and I'm growing in you and I'm changing in you. But yeah, we've, yeah, it's, it is work. This word saved here, uh, where he talks about you shall be saved. It means you'll be delivered from distress and danger. Okay, delivered from distress, that's inward. Danger, that's outward. From tribulation, that word means extreme pressure. That's stuff that gets all over you in the middle of the night. Extreme pressure. You'll be saved, it means to be delivered from certain death. It means to be delivered from enemies as in war. Okay, so that'd be for us, that'd be what the devil's trying to do in our life. And it means, I love this, it means to find compassionate aid in a time of need. Okay, the, the inclination and the character of my mind, it's set on God. I will find compassionate aid in a time of need, man, that's good. That's a that's a really good promise. So I guess I'm just gonna, uh, well, two more points really. There's this idea here in quietness and in confidence. And I just want to talk to you about it for a minute. There is a quiet confidence that I believe is the countenance of faith. It's how faith stands. It's a quiet confidence. Now sometimes faith and God will cause us to rise up and get pretty loud against the devil. Okay, get pretty loud in prayer, get pretty loud in declaring God's will over this situation. Uh, but but there's sometimes there's just a stand. You know, over in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us in the context of spiritual warfare, he says, Having done all to stand, stand therefore. And we already talked about some verses where the Lord said, Stand and see, right, the salvation of God. Stand still and see the salvation of God. There's, there's, this, there's this place sometimes where we have prayed, we have spoken the word, we have gotten agreement. We've done all the stuff we know to do about a situation. We know it from the word. It, we've taken our stand. And then there's this place where this confidence, this bold confidence can come over you in prayer to where it, it's like in the spirit realm, you're just standing. And you just know God's going to turn this thing around. I don't know how, but there's a quiet confidence. We can get to that place by spending time with him. And I really believe that's the countenance of faith. It isn't ruffled. It isn't fearful. We pray way too many prayers out of fear. Uh, We need to be praying from that place. And the picture the Lord gave me was, and you can go look it up. It's in 1 Samuel 17. I think the story of David and Goliath. And the way, here David comes down there to bring stuff to his brothers who were in the battle and Goliath is coming out every day and just taunting, just, just you know, taunting the army of God. And everybody's afraid of him because he's huge. You know, he's huge. And Bible takes quite a while to tell us how big he was, how big his armor was, how big his javelin was. You know, he was, he was huge. And everybody was terrified. He was intimidated. It's just a picture of the intimidation that the devil tries to bring into our life and David comes down there and he's just giving stuff to his brothers and everything and he overhears somebody say man whoever kills this guy gets i don't remember what it was the king's daughter and you know a whole bunch of stuff you know there's all this reward and David was just kind of blown away by that he said he says what will people get for killing this guy because who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of God he was like he's just the enemy. You're kidding. There's a reward for this? I'll do it. And he goes out there and he defeats Goliath. And he, <laughs> Goliath, you know, lays all these curses on him. And David just turns around and says, no, I'm going to feed you to the birds, buddy. And he does. But he, the, just, that, just that response on the inside, and I know a lot of times when we're praying, it seems to especially come up over children. And it's just this thing that arises in you that you know is the Holy Spirit. That's just, how dare you, Satan, trespass on this child of God and on this child? How dare you step in here? You have no authority and you have no right. And it just rises up in you. And it's just this righteous indignation. I think that's a part of this. It's it's this confidence. It's this boldness in prayer. And man, I don't know. Every time that comes... On me, we see results, you know. And so when I see something like that, then I want to get there. I want to spend time with God to where there's either that, just that quiet. This this is not happening that way. This is happening the way God said. There's either that or just that indignation, that boldness that rises up and said, get off. this situation. There's a lot of power in those prayers. And that's what this word strength says in quietness and in confidence, right in there, in that heart place, is your strength. The word strength, I'll quit with this, the word strength means, this is amazing, it describes the inherent quality of power within all of God's mighty acts in quietness and confidence, we find this inherent quality of power that is within all of God's mighty acts. That's a huge promise. That's a promise. We all need to be meditating. I mean, that is a huge promise. So I just zap that thing. I had a little spark. Uh, So let's stand up and pray. We're just going to cut it off right there. I can't wait to get this stuff for next week. Are you getting anything out of this? I am. So um, this is what we're on. (laughs) Because I need this, apparently. I can stop cussing at people on the street. One of these days, yeah. Yeah, you'd think. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, Father, that you're bringing every one of us. You are raising up a people of quiet confidence, of walking in the inherent quality of the inherent power that's in your mighty works. Lord, that we would be carrying that stuff out in this place of quietness and confidence in our hearts. Lord, that we would be carrying these things out into our community and undoing. Jesus, this is why you left us here, to undo the works of the devil. It says that's what you did. And you said we would do the same works and greater works than you did. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And we go out of this place today as the church of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, wherever we come into those situations where the devil's trying to steal, kill, and destroy in somebody's life, we say, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? And and who are you have already been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross? And we enforce that victory in our community, in our families, in our friends, Lord, around this town, Father, we just will not put up with the devil's any success on his part. And so, Lord, I I just pray as a church, Lord, for us, that, Father, as we go out this week, we thank you for the opportunities to grow inwardly. We thank you for the opportunities to pour out your life, Father. and, And I just thank you so much that we have this coach in the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to coach us along every step of the way. We're so grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go out of this place today. We're going to go be the church all week. And uh, we're going to say on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world, like we always do. And then, of course, there are snacks out there and things for you. So, all right, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. If you need prayer, it's available.